the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host and a former candidate for governor. Not really, but I think everyone else was on that ballot that we turned in yesterday. Seems like in the state. Now it'll be down to just a few people for November. Uh, less than 30% of the state voted, I think. And uh, interesting times. Hard to know what to say about it. We're not really going to get into that a little bit. I've been thinking about we are going to talk about maybe some uh, follow-ups and post-mortems on that. Um, and I really want to ask this question. I'm going to focus it around the idea of the realities of, of life. I was reading this article, and I'll get into it in a minute, and it's about the recall election of the DA in San Francisco, which I think will be having the same thing very likely in, in Los Angeles and but a lot of the issues are the same. This is kind of the national story of the primary in California, I think. And it's because of what it means. And this article is from the Atlantic and it's written by somebody who is very liberal herself, best I can tell. But she made this interesting statement in there. She said, uh, Chesa Bowden thinks his name is it Chesa? Chesa? How do you say it? Chesa. 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 All right. Bowden out of office. They did it because he didn't seem to care. Now, this is somebody who voted for him before, okay? This is somebody who is not coming from the right wing and not somebody who's uh, trying to make political hay across the country. Voted him out of office. They did it because he didn't seem to care that he was making the citizens of our city miserable in service of an ideology that made sense everywhere, but in reality. I thought that was a good line. You know, it made sense everywhere, but in reality. Now, the fact is, it doesn't really make sense, I don't think, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but to a lot of people, it does. To a lot of people right here in our own town, maybe to you it makes sense, the ideologies of kind of the far left and the ideas in particular. She talks a lot about homelessness and schools and the language that people use to try to humanize people while they nurse them along to their death. It's a powerful argument. And, you know, you know what, what we need? There are so many things to talk about today, and I, I know there's a plane crash out in Imperial Valley, military plane crash. Looks like five people have passed away. It's breaking story. I'll update you um, if there's anything to pass along. They're saying some nuclear material was on the uh, aircraft, but uh, I don't know what that means. That hasn't been out yet. This morning I was watching the testimony on Capitol Hill for parents and one child about the uh, recent shootings, particularly uh, Uvalde, but it had some other people on there. And I was, I was uh, surprised that it had some people kind of from all perspectives of the gun issue and what kinds of laws might be passed. It was hard to watch. It's just such a terrible story, and we're seeing it repeat over and over again. We've talked about that here, and I've seen that, and there's a lot of election uh, rehashing going on. And, it, you know, I thought about this thing in reality, and the biggest thing about reality, if you want to know what reality is, we have a gift. We have a gift from the scriptures. We have a gift through the Holy Spirit. As Christians, we believe if you want to know what reality is, you've got to have wisdom, not just knowledge, not just understanding or a some kind of academic notion of how to fix things or a plan. 
You can have all that stuff, but you really need wisdom. And that's something that I would call us all to today is wisdom. When we think about our lives, when we think about who we are as believers, when we think about who we are as a city or as a community, who we are in uh, Southern California. So when elections come and go, we have partisanship and we have issues. But what we really need is wisdom. And the frustration that we feel on a lot of stuff, some of it's the cycle of things, but a lot of it is we, we really need wisdom. And I think we can get it. I thought I'd talk about that a little bit today. I'm interested in your thoughts. You can join the conversation here on Southern California Live. 888-528-2557 is the phone number. 888-LA-TALKS is the number. I encourage you to put that in your phone so that anytime you want to join our conversation as you're listening, you're ready to go. You can just tell your social media or your, not your social media, but you you tell what? Your Siri or your Alexa or whatever you've named her. Hey, call Southern California Live, and you can join us. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can also email me, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I learned a new term also from uh, this article that I thought is something that we should ask ourselves in our own life and in, in the church. Uh, she says, there is a sense that on everything from housing to schools, San Francisco has lost the plot. Let me tell you why this is relevant to us, too, in Southern California. What's happening in San Francisco, what has happened to that city, which is horrific, we are following those same policies in Los Angeles and in San Diego. Did you know San Diego's homeless problem they, they is, is so bad in one area downtown on 17th Street, if you're familiar with San Diego, 17th Street is kind of like a miniature version of Skid Row. It's where a lot of the homeless are encamped downtown. Uh, but kids still have to go to school, and kids are being instructed to not walk on the sidewalks. Uh, according to uh, the Union Tribune, San Diego Union Tribune, kids are – the situation is deteriorating so much the kids are being asked to walk down the middle of the street. Can you believe that? We have – here's – the article says we have – we have, what we have – Our deteriorating conditions on our streets and sidewalks, the mayor said, Mayor Todd Gloria of San Diego, we cannot continue to allow this to happen. We cannot tell our children that we prefer them to walk in the middle of the street in order to surrender our sidewalks to folks who want to encroach on them. So apparently that's what we're doing um, with uh, downtown area schools. We're encouraging kids to walk down the middle of the street. We're not going to help the problem, but uh, we are encouraging people to do that. This, see, the thing is, is that we're not in reality. That's one of the things that we have to address in our culture and in our church. The, the term that I liked is this writer writes, San Francisco has lost the plot, so has Los Angeles and San Diego. That progressive leaders are here. Now, this is a city which is about 6% Republican, I think, okay? Um, these are liberals writing about liberals and liberals recalling other liberals or people who call themselves progressives or whatever the term of the day is. She says, progressive leaders here have been LARPing left-wing values instead of working to create a livable city. And I thought, what's LARPing? I think I've heard that before. I didn't know. LARPing is L-A-R-P-I-N-G, live action role-playing. And I really liked that, that, what it is like a video game It's like you can play these video games. I like to play these games sometimes. uh, Once a year, I get to play games uh, where you are a character, right? And there's a story that you're following. And uh, it's role-playing games is what they're called. Live-action role-playing games, though, which I have not done, is when people dress up like those characters or superheroes or whomever, 
and uh, they live out their life as if they are these people. And for some people, it's a fun club that they're a part of, and it's just some kind of fantasy thing to do, and it might be fun. Other people go a little bit too far you know, with it and start to believe they are these characters or really take on the identity of uh, these characters. But the point of it is, is it's not real life. You're not actually Batman. I have a Batman outfit. I have a Batman outfit that um, I spent way too much money on years ago, long before I was married. And uh, it's the, you know, the Michael Keaton Batman outfit. So I've got the rubber thing that goes over my whole head and you sweat profusely underneath it. You have to hide somewhere and take the mask off if you wear it. And I bought this cape that's got that's like an eight or ten foot wingspan. It's enormous Batman cape. It's fantastic. I'm not tall enough for it. So unfortunately, whenever I put on the Batman outfit for Halloween or whatever, I have to wear rollerblades to give me a little height. But then it's pretty cool because the cape floats behind me and, uh, you know, I have the music playing and, uh, you know, I can do that for a while. But there are some of you out there who really think you are Batman and you go out at night and try to fight crime. Uh, That's bad. Uh, But that's LARPing, live action role playing. Some people do that. What she's writing is that what we're seeing in the actual political landscape are people who are live action role playing. They have an idea of what they think will work to help people, but it doesn't work at all. It's complete fantasy. And see, this is, this is something about wisdom. Now, as a pastor and as a Christian, one of the things that immediately came to my mind was, are we LARPing it as a church, as church people? Are we just live action role playing? We dress up as church people on Sundays and we go to church, however you dress in your church. Maybe you put on the suit and tie. Maybe you got the board shorts and the flip flops. It's somewhere in between or a mix. And we go and maybe the, the LARPing we do is we put the smile on our face and we go and we sing the songs and we say the words and we stand up and we sit down and we do whatever we do and we greet people. And then we go out and we forget about our faith the rest of the week and we're just sort of LARPing. Just something in the back of your mind that, that I think matters a lot to us today. Are we faking it? Are we living in a reality that's not real? You can join our conversation. This is Southern California Live, 888-528-2557. Let's go to Dan in Rancho Santa Margarita. Hi, Dan. How you doing today? Hi. Hi, good. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, say, you know, uh, this is a great day in terms of uh, the most probably left-wing city in America, San Francisco, recalled their liberal left-wing DA. What a lot of people don't realize is this guy... Um, uh, well, the twisted, just his logic on having a revolving door of crime because too many African Americans were arrested for for crimes, and he wanted to delegitimize uh, that. And he uh, he went overboard. He went from being a social justice warrior to a ridiculous justice warrior that the people were fed up with. This guy was a terrorist, a son of terrorists. His his mom died about a month ago. And uh, she was convicted. Uh, she got out of prison just a few years ago. Her 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 uh, her husband, um, Chess's uh, father, just got out of jail uh, a couple of years ago. And they were weathermen in the 1960s. They robbed banks. They killed people. Uh, they uh, uh, policemen. Many policemen died. And this really didn't get much play in the national media. In that, and uh, well, and his, his he was raised. His philosophy okay. has to come from somewhere. So I think we want to be careful about, you know, I understand where you're going. You're going to learn stuff from our parents, of course. 
And uh, well, yeah, but he was also raised by terrorists. He, he, his, his parents went to jail when he was about eighteen months old. But he was raised, I think it was by uh, the guy. Um, oh, I forget his first name. Ayers in uh, Chicago, and another woman. Bill Ayers, I know. Who uh, yeah, yeah. So, so it wasn't just what his parents did. He was raised, but 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 the people that raised him while his parents were in jail. But but forget all that for a moment, you know. But I think sometimes the sins of the father revisit the son, and and they had talked about uh, jail and and prison, and he felt bad. I think that they went to, to, to jail and that. So he he reached out to basically the people who had been victimizers and that. So you had the revolving uh, door of crime in San Francisco where people, it's one thing to give somebody a chance, to give somebody a second chance, maybe even give somebody a third chance. But, I mean, if anybody remembers seeing the videos in San Francisco where these guys were on bikes going into, like, CVSs, uh, different pharmacies, Walgreens and stuff, and they were uh, they, they were repeat offenders over and over and over in that. So it got to be twisted social justice. Just because they were African-American or minorities, we were going to say, well, we're going to make up for the crimes and the prejudices from years ago. But then they went to the opposite extreme and wouldn't arrest the, 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 the criminals. Yeah. And that some who were arrested 10, 15, 20 times. And that so right. it was outrageous. So anyway, a victory, a victory for San Francisco. They got rid of this uh this uh, this guy who who made the city very unsafe. Yeah. Dan, I appreciate your call, and uh, you know I'd point out too uh, the the racial element of of some of these things. Uh, neighborhoods that uh, are people of color voted for the recall. They voted to get rid of this guy. The um, interesting thing is it's sort of your your wealthy elites who are for him, and uh, everybody else is against him. Uh, he lost by 60-plus percent, uh, 60% of the people in San Francisco voted to vote him out. And I guess what I'm getting at is I know there's a background for him and, and different things, and, and people are coming from things from a perspective that they might have learned uh, from their parents or they've learned them from a teacher. But what I want to really get to is how many things do we believe, and maybe himself, does he believe and I think he does. I think he believes that what he was doing was actually meant to to help people. I think he's bought his own uh, lesson. He even claims he's going to run again. How are they going to vote for him again? He's not. They're not going to. He's not going to win that election. Um, here's what this article wrote, and, I, and I'm I'm reading from this because I thought it was pretty profound. And I also want you to know it's coming from a left wing thinker. Okay, it's not coming from somebody who is. Uh, on the right, it's not coming from some Trump supporter or whatever you want to say, okay? She wrote this. She said, on a cold, sunny day not too long ago, and this is why I think it's relevant because we're seeing this here in L.A. and in San Diego and in some cities in between. On a cold, sunny day not long ago, I went to see the city's new Tenderloin Center for Drug Addicts on Market Street. Now, this Tenderloin Center is a pilot program that that many of the people that we just reelected or re uh, or that won their election anyway, uh, yesterday, the primary vote, who we will, most of whom will get reelected this fall. These people voted for doing this in L.A., San Diego, Oakland, San Francisco, and some other places in California to set up this exact scenario. She said, I went to see the Tenderloin Center for Drug Addicts on Market Street. If you've been to San Francisco, it's a, it used to be beautiful area, great touristy area. It's downtown and open-air chain-link enclosure now in what used to be a public plaza. On the sidewalks all around it, people are lying on the ground twitching. There's a free mobile shower, laundry, and bathroom station emblazoned with the words Dignity on Wheels. 
A young man is lying next to it, stoned, his shirt riding up, his face puffy and sunburned. Inside the enclosure, services are doled out. Food, medical care, clean syringes, referrals for housing. It's basically a safe place to shoot up. The city government says it's trying to help. But from the outside, what it looks like is young people being eased into death on the sidewalk surrounded by half-eaten box lunches. That's a pretty powerful statement. And this is what San Franciscans voted against. And I think it's what uh, Angelinos and other people are getting ready to vote against because we're seeing it here. We're seeing it in other cities. And what it is, is it is a philosophy. It is a philosophy that is grounded in you know, these notions that are not real. In the Scripture, we have this great statement from Paul in Second Timothy. He's writing Timothy, and he reminds us of this. And for us who are Christians— you know, I've been thinking about how do we respond to elections. And one of the things that I always want to say after an election happens, whether it's a primary or a general election, is what do we do now? And especially to those of us who are, or who are passionate about some issues, especially for those of us who go to the polls and we're not simply voting because we feel like it's a civic duty, but we, we vote and we, we vote serious. Do you do that? I do that. You know, I I vote. I make sure that bubble is filled in as dark as possible, and I don't want to color out the lines. And uh, some I'm more passionate than others. I like to vote in person, like I said, I and I'm missing that with the mail ballots because I like to feel it. I like to feel is there is there a tension in the air if the polling place is full of people. So if you're that kind of a person, here's the question you've got to ask yourself after an election. Now what? So now what do you do? Regardless of who won, regardless of how it turns out, um, now what? Is, and here's the question I think for us, especially if we are concerned about people. UCLA said that the number one issue for people in voting in the state is homelessness. 49% in the mayor's race in Los Angeles said homelessness, number one issue. Uh, crime, number two. Housing was a distant third, housing prices, which probably have less to do with the city government and more with some other things, but it has some to do with it. But homelessness has a lot to do with the state as well, but definitely local stuff, as does crime. Now what? And what I want us to keep in mind is we need to move forward with wisdom and actually do something. And I think for the church... This is my challenge for all of us. And we should ask this question. Good time is after the election. Are we just LARPing it? Are we just live action role playing? And we go and we get passionate when it's time for an election, whatever your issue is, and then you don't care until the next election. And maybe that's part of the reason that some of these issues never get resolved and they just get worse is that we are allowing philosophies to take charge and control because throughout the rest of the time, we're not calling our representatives. We're not paying attention to what they're doing. We don't pay attention to the things that they say or whether or not these things actually work. It is uh, an extraordinary thing. This author writes this about San Francisco. A couple of years ago, my friend saw a man staggering down the street bleeding. You can join the conversation, by the way. The number is 888-528-2557. She saw a man wandering down the street bleeding. She recognized him as somebody who regularly slept outside in the neighborhood, and she called 911. Paramedics and police arrived and began treating him, but members of a homeless advocacy group noticed and intervened. They told the man that he didn't have to get into the ambulance, that he had the right to refuse treatment. So that's what he did. 
The paramedics left. The activists left. The man sat on the sidewalk alone, still bleeding. A few months later, he died about a block away. And she said, I used to tell myself that San Francisco's politics were wacky, but the city was trying, really trying to be good. But the reality is, there's that key word, reality. Reality is that with the smartest minds and so much money and the very best of intentions, San Francisco became a cruel city. That's a powerful word, isn't it, cruel? It became so dogmatically progressive that maintaining the purity of the politics required accepting or at least ignoring devastating results. It's called soundness of an argument, okay? Paul would write this to us. I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. That's the wisdom part, by the way. All right, we are told to preach in season and out of season. Okay, check. We should preach the word. Check. Um, Correct, rebuke, and encourage. But then there's an instruction, how to do it with wisdom, with great patience and careful instruction. We have to be careful with it. And here's the reason why. For, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. My friends, that's what we have been doing in our culture. We have been turning our ears away from what is sound doctrine, meaning that it works, it functions, it's based in reality. It is something that has, that this is the way the universe works. And we are eager to hear from philosophers. And there's some examples, you know, on the far right and far left, right? Then on the far right, you tend to get into, if uh, you're on that crowd over there, you know, the, the QAnon and some of those theories about things that there's no evidence for that drive your anger, that make you believe things. Like a few months ago where a bunch of people went out to a daily plaza in uh, Dallas because they believed that John F. Kennedy Jr. didn't really die. Okay, hundreds of people showed up for this in real life, that John F. Kennedy Jr. didn't really die, that he's been hiding out, and he is going to make his appearance in the area where his father was assassinated and um, become Donald Trump's running mate. I don't think Donald Trump had anything to do with that, but it's something that was happening in the blogs. And in the, and hundreds of people showed up for that. People made T-shirts, Trump Kennedy 2024. They were waving flags and doing all kinds of stuff. The only way you get into that is because you have decided to listen to things that are not sound. It suits your own desires. Maybe you hoped that's true. Maybe you like John F. Kennedy Jr. Um, and uh, his tragic death, you would like to believe that didn't happen. I don't know. See, there's those people all around. And when this actually gets into government, then what happens is you start to treat people in a way that you say is compassionate, in a way that you say is meaningful, but in fact, it's cruel. In fact, it is inhumane. And that's what we're seeing in San Francisco. That's what hopefully San Francisco voters rejected yesterday in part. There's a long way to go with that. We'll continue in a moment. I think it's relevant for us in our own city and uh, for our churches to ask ourselves this question. Are we just LARPing it or are we serious about uh, making a difference? 888-528-2557 is the phone number. This is Southern California Live, 888-528-2557. I'll be right back. Stay tuned.
People are angry. They're frustrated. And I want to be very clear about what happened tonight. The right-wing billionaires outspent us three to one. They exploited an environment in which people are appropriately upset. And they created an electoral dynamic where we were literally shadow boxing. Voters were not asked to choose between criminal justice reform and something else. They were given an opportunity to voice their frustration and their outrage, and they took that opportunity. That was uh, ousted San Francisco District Attorney Chase Bowden last night, blaming right-wing billionaires for his ouster. It's true that uh, a lot of people from the right sent money in, and a lot of money was raised in that recall, but have no, uh, make no mistake about it, liberals removed him who live in San Francisco. It's laughable to blame anybody on the right in San Francisco. You know that in that city, there's so few Republicans in that city. It's less than 10% of the vote, probably, uh, are actual Republicans. Some of that might be changing now because of people like him. People might be re-registering, and that happens sometimes. But uh, it is really um, part of the the problem. It is the, the problem is the belief that I think he really believes. Here's something that... Um, I'm reading from an article, and I'm saying this because I think we need to understand what this philosophy is. I think we can't ignore it because it's right here in our cities, it's, and it is not one guy. The danger in San Francisco is they'll oust this guy, but they're going to uh, probably replace him with somebody who believes the same things ultimately that don't work, and it's not helping people. The San Franciscans ousted a few months ago some of the school board members and already the new school board has made an effort to be just like the old one, and they're banning the word chief. You can't say the word chief in any city department. You can't have a chief of police or fire chief or anybody chief. can't call a guy chief because they think it might be offensive to Native Americans when actually the word chief is French, comes from the word same word we get the word chef from. And uh, it just – this is what the school board is busy doing rather than making education better, rather than dealing with – what it is that uh, kids have been suffering from in the past couple of years because of all the shutdowns and everything. They're worried about that term. All right. And what's happening is homeless people are dying right on the streets, and there is a belief. Here's what the belief is. So this is written by Nellie Bowles. It's N- Nellie Bowles is her name, How San Francisco Became a Failed City. It's in today's edition of uh, The Atlantic. It's probably behind the paywall, but I'll read some of it here to you. And you can join the conversation. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. The number is 888-528-2557. She says the belief that any intervention, talking about homeless people, okay, and she's been explaining all these cases of homeless people. It's a very long article, but homeless people dying on the street uh, and being given drugs and a long conversation about fentanyl where somebody actually says it's not just heroin, it's fentanyl. And the person says, I can't believe I'm saying it's not like it's just heroin which also you're going to die from if you keep doing that. The belief, quote, the belief that any intervention has to be imposed on a vulnerable person is so fundamentally flawed and problematic that the best thing to do is nothing at all. See, that's the ultimate of this belief. This is why we have so many homeless people that are not getting help, that are, we're pretending to help them. We have this false belief, an unsound doctrine, if you will, that, these new ways of helping people are going to help them. It doesn't help them. And it's a very, it's a very, in my opinion, a, a wicked point of view because it's just killing people. 
So here's what she says, and this is coming from somebody who is a liberal. I'm going to say that again. Okay, this is not coming from a right-wing person. It's not coming from a Christian writer, best I can tell. She says, anyone offended by the sight of the suffering is just judging someone who's having a mental health episode. And any liberal who argues that the state can and should take control of someone in the throes of drugs and psychosis is basically a Republican. Republican is a very dirty word in San Francisco. If and when the vulnerable person dies, that was his choice. And in San Francisco, we congratulate ourselves on being very accepting of that choice. I, that just articulates it, I think, in a very blunt way. That because somebody, we allowed somebody to safely kill themselves on the streets uh, with their fentanyl, uh, with their heroin, with whatever they're shooting up, but because we've allowed them to do that safely and we have not interfered with them at all, um, we're real happy about that. Is that really the society that we want? I'm all for freedom and I'm libertarian, I suppose, about a lot of stuff. Um, but it's, doesn't it seem like we should intervene differently? And I realize there are some people it's very hard to help. All right, There are some people who are so far gone. I think some of it is we don't know how to help. But nursing someone into their death and then congratulating yourself about it, that just doesn't seem right at all. This is the philosophy about voting. When we talk about the the voting and stuff, it's not just candidates. It's the philosophy that they might bring in. The philosophy about crime where in the city of San Francisco, just since last November, seven Walgreens have closed and they all point to theft as the reason. I think 17 Walgreens pharmacies and a bunch of CVS and other people have closed. I was reading about one where you you go in there and every single thing, even the gum is behind, you know, plastic and you have to get somebody to open up the cage for you if you want to buy it. Um, It's really, really incredible. About 70% of shoplifting cases in San Francisco ended in an arrest in 2011, but in 2021, only 15% did. Everything has changed in this philosophy. A homicide prosecutor named Brooke Jenkins said that she left the department because Bowden was pressuring some lawyers to prosecute major crimes as lesser offenses. She couldn't be a part of that. She said the victims feel hopeless. A 2020 tweet from the Tenderloin police station captured the frustration of the rank and file. Tonight for the 15th time in 18 months and the third time in 20 days, we are booking the same subject at county jail for felony motor vehicle theft. Same guy, three times in less than two weeks, or less than three weeks, and 15 times in a year and a half. That's an incredible thing. She, she writes, but as with homelessness, the city's overall take on criminal justice reform moved well past the point of common sense. Last month, a man who had been convicted of 15 burglary and theft-related felonies from 2002 to 2019 was arrested on 16 new counts of burglary and theft. Most of these charges were dismissed, and he was released on probation. We do need to find solutions for why we have so many people in our prisons. You know, prison, um, you know, incarceration issues are real, all right? There are some things that we probably can do, but the best thing to stop doing is stop committing crimes, okay? And that's the best thing society-wise, you know, in our communities and in our churches, we can get out of the walls and, and maybe help people find something better to do, help people not join the gangs, help people not get into drugs. We definitely want to stop people from overdosing on drugs or stop this weird philosophy that says, hey, if that's what you want to do, then that's what you want to do. Then you can do it and encouraging them. 
See, that you're never going to stop the crime problem until you change the philosophy of thinking. You're never going to stop the crime problem until we as a nation start to believe in reality and get some wisdom. See, wisdom is something that helps you navigate the realities of life. Wisdom is something that we're called to have in Scripture over and over and over again. Because the thing is, is you can have knowledge. You know, I can quote these statistics and talk about these philosophies and stuff, but the at the core of it is that there's no wisdom. You know, obviously, if you're going to help people take drugs and you're not going to push for recovery and you're not going to prosecute people who are committing violent crimes repeatedly, crime is just going to go up. That should be obvious, but it's not. Um, wisdom is how do we get ourselves out of it? All right, wisdom is is how do we take a look and navigate the realities of this life? There's a whole book about it in the book of Proverbs. All right, you got an entire book in the Bible about wisdom. And we need to have that wisdom as something that we need to pray for in our life. See, and the thing is, is that we have moved so far away from our our founding beliefs. Even if you weren't Christian, our country used to believe that there was right and wrong. I think most people believe there's right and wrong. But as we pursue pluralism, we argue about morality or what should or shouldn't be legal. And that's kind of a new argument. Ancient, old societies had a better, they did better about this. You know why? Because people died sooner, right? They just, and there weren't pharmaceuticals. There weren't ways to keep you around. And if you had bad moral choices, there were much quicker consequences. So it became something that in the society, you know, people doing really bad stuff would end up not alive very quickly. Uh, today, we kind of have changed that because of medical advances and other things, and it's made our morals a little bit fuzzy. But see, the thing is, is moral standards, as, imp- as important as they are, they don't address a lot of the things that we face. They That requires wisdom. Whatever you think the rules are, they don't always address of the things that we face in life or how to solve things. For us in the church, this is what we can add. If you look at these things and you're kind of hopeless and you're just frustrated, you know what? We have a book of wisdom. We've got a Bible that has entire books about wisdom. We've got a Savior that is wisdom personified about how to live your life. And it really matters a lot. The truth is, is you can have all the moral or scientific knowledge in the world, but if you make a mess of your life, you will make a mess of your life if you don't have wisdom. And that's something that we need. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. The number is 888-528-2557. Responding to some of the election issues from yesterday and many things going on in our culture today, you can join our conversation, 888-528-2557. I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone. Southern California Live, Scott Furrow with you today. Join our conversation, 888-528-2557. We're here together every day, every weekday, 3 to 5, right here, 99.5 KKLA. Also, 1210 AM KPRZ in San Diego, 106.1 FM if you're in North County. You can also listen on your Alexa device or other uh, devices through your favorite radio app, Southern California Live, 888-528-2557. I've been thinking about the election and talking about some of the races and what it means. It's hard to know in the primary. Definitely uh, some interesting things happened last night. Low turnout, though, is a big story, I think. 
And uh, we'll have to wait and see. How are people going to be motivated when we get to uh, November? But in the meantime, what do we do? In the meantime, even as Christians, what what I've been thinking about through all of this is just we lack so much wisdom in our country right now. We, we lack the, the ability to navigate some of the difficult times that we're, we're having. I don't think we're anticipating you know, the, the baby milk shortage, the president's getting uh, the baby formula shortage, the president's getting criticized for uh, not anticipating that sooner. I don't know if he should have or not, but it's an interesting question. You know, should we have seen that coming? It's, it is a wisdom question, ultimately, is are we able to discern What's going to happen? You know, inflation the way it is that we're all suffering from, and it's a big deal. Eight percent. We've all taken an eight percent pay cut since last year. You could subtract whatever percentage raise you might have got this year. So you got a three and a half percent raise. Well, then it means you got a four and a half percent pay cut uh, because of inflation. Uh, that's pretty serious. Uh, but we spent trillions of dollars that we don't have over the last couple of years, and and tens of trillions of dollars in the last couple of decades that we don't have. Wisdom should say that's going to come due eventually, right? There's there's something about it that we should know. And wisdom is complicated because we don't always have an answer. In the, you know, in the Bible, it doesn't give you specifics on what school you should go to or where you should invest your money. But, you know, it, it's not going to tell you, you know, um, those sorts of left and right decisions. But there's a whole lot in the Bible about wisdom and about being on the right path. And when we come to elections, hopefully elections are guiding us to the right path. That would be the the ultimate result that you hope for, is that whatever happens, the nation gets back on the right path, or the city gets on the right path, or the county, wherever you have voted. In Proverbs chapter 1, if you ever study the book of Proverbs, it's it's a lot of people think it might be a instruction manual for uh, young kids, maybe to maybe to boys. It's all practical for women also, but 3,000 years ago, it's directed to sons. Some people think that the wisdom book for women, the Song of Solomon, can debate all those kinds of things, but it's both are relevant to men and women, uh, which, by the way, wisdom tells us that uh, men are men and women are women. And we've, with, you know, what's wise, we've solved that debate just in one sentence. See, wisdom is is an interesting thing because if you're trying to make a decision in your life, if you are making a decision for the direction of your company or your church or even your city, if you happen to be in city government or the state, you have to make decisions that sometimes you don't know. And maybe something is allowable. Maybe something is legal. Maybe something is, you know, ethical. Maybe something is moral. And you can argue about those things. You can argue about what's moral or immoral. That's some of this debate, right? You can argue about what's ethical or not ethical. You can argue about what is uh, you know, legal or not legal or interpretations of the law. And all of those questions, you know, we can have an argument about it. We could probably have a debate on our program about uh, should you uh, smoke marijuana? Should this be a regular part of, of uh, your life? Well, it's legal. You can buy it all over the place. There's a place by my kid's school. And it doesn't look like your typical weed shop. You know, your your typical weed shop usually is green. I don't have any experience with this personally, okay, but I've seen them. It's green. It's got like a green cross or something out in front. And you kind of realize right away, you know, it's, um, you know, it's got some kind of name about growth, you know, or about feeling good. And it's either a weed shop or some kind of church, you know, one of the two things is what it is. 
This one is, I'm not going to mention the name because I don't want to advertise for them, but it's blue and it looks like a, a candy store. It really does. And it's right by the school. And I almost took my kids in there one time for a treat after school. And uh, I I pulled up and I looked in there and I noticed it's all grown-ups. And then it occurred to me that this may not be what I thought. And uh, so I left. See, wisdom. There wasn't a sign out front exactly saying what it was. It probably was, but I missed it. And... Uh, you know, get some wisdom. Here's what uh, this book tells us about wisdom. Proverbs chapter one, verse eight. Uh, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to your to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. This is a 3,000 year old book. You should teach it to your kids. My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie and wait for someone's blood. Let's waylay some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we will share a common purse. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths for their feet rush into sin and they are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net in full view of all the birds. These men lie in wait for their own blood and they waylay only themselves. Such is the end of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the lives of those who get it. What's interesting to me here is that this teaching on wisdom, that's so smart. You can apply that passage to everything we just talked about in San Francisco, to a lot of the crime and other things that, that we are dealing with, that we're trying to find a solution through government, when really the solution is through families, through the church, through people coming to reconcile themselves to the truth of God. The solution is people making wise choices. There you have it. And what's interesting to me is that the introduction to wisdom in this book that you would teach your kids, the introduction to wisdom is that there is evil in the world and it begins with the path that you choose. I mean, that's pretty powerful. The Bible has a lot to say about paths, right? The famous passage from Proverbs is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Uh, Paths, seven or 800 times in the Bible, talks about being on the right path. And that's how you live your life. That's how you live your life with wisdom is you get on the right path. You're not gonna solve everything in your life all of a sudden, this election, whatever you might be thinking in San Francisco, um, or if your candidate won somewhere else, San Franciscans are celebrating mostly because they're getting rid of the bad DA. Okay. But if they didn't really change paths, if they're going to take the same philosophies about how to treat homeless people and how to deal with crime and all this stuff, those are just going to get worse and worse and worse. The same is true for us in LA. Same is true for us in San Diego, in any city, in any town in any school, in any family, if you don't have wisdom, if you're not on the right path, then destruction is just going to keep coming your way. And if you're feeling bad about this stuff, the great thing about a path is that it's it's not a gate. It's not like we just vote for the right person and go through the gate and all of our problems are solved. It's not like in your own life you can just come to the right conclusion and walk through a gate and you don't have any more suffering or no more hard times or no more debt or no more addiction or whatever your troubles are. It's not like that. The great thing about a path is is that it's a road out in front of you. You only get a few steps ahead of you that you can see and you take one step at a time. 
And the way to wisdom, the way to improving your own personal life, the way to improving the family life you have, the way to improve your life with the Lord, the way to improve your workplace, your school, your city, your state, your country, is to start taking steps on the right path. It's called repentance. And God's not going to show you everything in your life that's coming down the road. You don't get to have a pair of binoculars most of the time and look all the way down the road to see all the obstacles or to see what other things are there. But you do have a moment, and that moment for you might be right now, to put your foot on the right path, to put down that thing that's destroying your life, to end that affair that's destroying your marriage, to stop taking the drugs and go get help before you become one of these stories in this you know, in the L.A. version of this story. You can take the step right now. That's repentance. And the great thing about a path is that it's just one foot after another. And then you trust God for the future that you can't see. You you lean not on your own understanding. You submit to God, and he will make your path straight. If your path is straight, uh, then you just put one foot in front of the other, and you walk through life. And you can't see that far. That's the trust God thing. If he showed you everything that's going to happen in your life, then I guess you don't have to trust him, do you? You just know. And that's not how God wants. He wants you to trust him. Uh, It's called faith. You put your faith in him and you take one step at a time. And as you travel along that path, my friends, things get better. Obstacles come along the way, but you keep putting one foot in front of the other. And that's wisdom. And you start making wise decisions and you ask yourself, should I take marijuana or not? Is it moral? Is it legal? Is it ethical? Is it okay? I don't know. We'll have an argument. Is it wise? No. I'm not talking about people taking it for pain or medical reasons. I'm talking about the recreational stuff. You know, is it wise? You know, some of you might say it is, but I'll bet a lot fewer people do. Is it wise to take heroin? No. In San Francisco, it might be legal it might be a misdemeanor. You could say ethically you could take it. Some people say, hey, to each his own. You can be real libertarian about it. People can do whatever they want to themselves, however you want to say it. Legal, moral, ethical, all those things. Is it wise? No. No. See, it, when you ask what is wise, it filters out all the bad stuff. It filters out all the options for you. It pretty much answers the question. In the book of James, God says if you ask him for wisdom, he gives it out generously. That's something for us to do as we pray for our state, we pray for our country, as we think about things in our own life. Ask God for wisdom, and he will give it to you, and he gives it generously. Don't just ask God for knowledge or for understanding. Those things are fine, but you've got to know what to do with the knowledge. You've got to know what to do with the statistics. You've got to know what to do. Wisdom is the answer to that, to get on that path. I want to encourage you, wherever you are, all of us, I think, in different places of our life, we got to get on the right path, one foot in front of the other. And hopefully that's what our election yesterday uh, is doing, is, is correcting us. It's not correcting everything right away. That's not how it works. But maybe we're headed on a better path. Uh, that's something to pray for. And for people who are still in office, who are getting reelected, pray for them. Pray for their wisdom. We need them to be wise. That's why we pray for them. All right, we'll be back with Hour 2 of Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. Thank you for being with me. I'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.